0: you're listening to family feud part of the paris style podcast family they might not be brother and sister but they sure do fight like they are here's your hosts keely or and shotgun Spratling.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Chris Trevino and later on, Shotgun Spratling. We'll get into that in a bit because we have a unique episode. We have a lot to talk about. USC has some COVID news this week. What does that mean for the Colorado game? We'll get into that. We'll also get into our normal routine of Stock Up, Stock Down with Shotgun. We'll give you our thoughts and opinions on where USC stands. 3-0 and coming off a road win against Utah. But it's been a crazy week. And Chris, thank you for joining me at the top of the show to help kind of break it all down before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode.
2: That's how you know it's been a crazy week and a crazy day. When you have the cousin of the pod, a.k.a. me having to co-host and co-lead the beginning of this this show. That's never a great thing. Never a great thing.
1: Uh, I would beg to differ, but you're right. It's it's different. Shotgun is at basketball right now, and we're covering kind of the breaking news that came out on Wednesday. Okay, but let's try and make sense of this week, Chris. First off, let's just go through it, like I guess, chronologically. First off, from our perspective, Clay Helton sits down Tuesday press conference and starts reading off a prepared statement.
2: I'm half asleep like I always am for these morning press conferences. But when Helton gets in that making a statement thing, he has a certain way of talking. We all see it. You kind of perk up. You know something's coming. And that's when he announces, you know, we had a player test positive, first in-season positive for them. If you remember, they had some in the summer, uh, a couple players along with men's water polo. They shut down workouts for a little bit. But this is the first one they've had throughout the course of the season, which all things considered pretty good to get one here at the halfway point. Uh, They've been pretty disciplined, but it's everywhere now, and they got their first one. And then they were put in this sort of limbo.
1: Yeah, from what I gather, part of the reason, part of what spurred this was that the player felt bad on Monday and just stayed in his room. And so knowing that he was symptomatic, they had the normal Quidel testing. That came back positive. And then because they had someone positive, They wanted to do a full round of PCR tests because PCR is more accurate and they wanted to see basically the landscape of where uh, the roster is COVID wise. And so they did the PCR test midday Tuesday And those have to be sent to a lab. They take a little bit of time to do. And so what I was told is that they basically had all hands on deck to try and get those PCR tests back to them as fast as possible. So the limbo you mentioned, Chris, they didn't want to have them basically tackling at practice on Tuesday without having a real sense of where they stood COVID-wise on the roster. So they moved everything Virtually, they put everything online, closed all the facilities that the football program uses. They had a virtual practice, quote-unquote. That's what they wanted to say, but it was essentially just like meetings and, and have installing uh, game plans and stuff like that. Apparently, the offense had internet issues. <laughs> That's what I heard <laughs> from a player, was that they were having internet issues, and so Harold was kind of struggling on that front. So I don't know how productive Tuesday's practice was, but it sounded like there were some technical difficulties there.
2: Yeah, why not? Why not have internet issues on top of everything? They can do practice over AIM.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're sending group chain emails of like, (laughs) so if this defender goes this way, then you have like 90 emails in response. No. So then come Wednesday, they know the results of the PCR test. They think it's a, a pretty good sign overall. They do another round of Quidel testing, the antigen testing. LA County is aware of what's happening. They get clearance from LA County. They have practice on Wednesday and released a statement. The statement says the one player from Monday is symptomatic. Then the PCR test revealed another player has tested positive. He is asymptomatic and is quarantining. So you have that. But in addition, five players are now isolating due to contact tracing. So that's TBD right now. So that's where we stand. The Colorado game, if everything holds right now, As the picture looks right now and nothing else changes, they can still go on with the game against Colorado on Saturday. But that's a big if. They're still going to do more testing. They're still trying to get a sense of where everyone is. And the incubation time, there's still time for things to pop up. So it's still dicey, but right now they look like they can still compete on Saturday with some roster subtractions, if you will.
2: Keely, just bravo for getting through that little little mini golf clap. No. You just broke that down very, very well, I must say.
1: Bravo to you for sitting through that when I messed up, and these people won't hear how many times I messed up. But Thank you for your patience. But yeah, no, it, it's been a crazy week in that sense, Chris, because like you said, USC had done so well with being disciplined, not having anyone test positive, and then Thanksgiving week, when it's already a weird week, you have these these COVID issues pop up. And the game is in California, which I think and in LA County, which instead of if it was an away game, I think you might have a little bit more leeway, but it's just so strict in LA County and California that it's just an extra hurdle for yeah, jump in that sense.
2: Yeah, and then on top of that for, for us on our back end, our site was down for pretty much the whole morning. Jeff Bezos and his Amazon servers, something was going on. I know a lot of people were having trouble getting to certain sites. I don't understand how the cloud works. I don't care how the cloud works. I just needed to get on this site because this was a very busy day that ended up being busier later in the day, obviously, as you said with the statement. But all things considered, yeah, like we said, this could be this could have been very very look very worse, uh, look much worse for USC, you know, considering what happened with Utah. Just a like, Total outbreak with Arizona State, total outbreak. USC seems to have a pretty good control on it. Like you said, we still have to wait. They're still doing more testing. They're still monitoring the situation. But at least right now at Wednesday, there's still, you know, a pretty, I mean, I wouldn't call it a great chance. But there's still a chance that they're going to be able to have an opportunity to play this Saturday just because of the protocols and then how disciplined USC has been, you know, since going back to the summer.
1: I feel like it's still kind of dicey just in the sense that you never know when more positives could could pop up and that's something where you just have to kind of wait and see. USC for their credit has been pretty transparent about this all. They don't they didn't have to give an update on Wednesday about the extra player testing positive and whatnot. So, they're at least going to keep everyone updated on that front. So, it's kind of wait and see on that front and anything else we're hearing behind it all. So, just a, a crazy evolving situation, and it's just unfortunate that we have to keep talking about COVID when we had a pretty good streak of just talking about college football in that sense.
2: And I think before this, this six-game regular season, crazy COVID season started, I didn't think – I think we would have been naive if we, any of us said that. We didn't think USC was going to get through the whole season clear, scot-free, no, nothing, no, it, no COVID issues. Uh, and you have, they've been lucky – as we said, they've been lucky compared to other teams like a Utah, like a Arizona uh, State. Um, but I think, again, they've, they've had the protocols in place to kind of handle this, and we're going to see those systems in place, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, but now it's their time to kind of battle through through this.
1: And that will be the interesting thing going forward to see you know, if the Colorado game does continue, how well can this team step up to COVID diversity? There will likely be new faces getting more playing time than we would see in a normal season. And this is what Clay Hilton is talking about. You never know when a test is going to come up, and that's why you're, you're two-spotting. That's why you try to get as many people, as many reps as possible. And so this is kind of where you have to, to put your money where your mouth is. Unfortunate that they're in this situation, but this is kind of what it is, and this is what you took on when you decided to play college football in a pandemic in that sense. So it's evolving. Hopefully we'll see a game on Saturday. Hopefully everyone is safe and recovering quickly, those two players who do have COVID right now. Um, And now, I mean, we're going to add any updates we hear. We have some updates for the War Room, but any other updates we hear we'll be adding on the Parastyle throughout the rest of the week. But other than that, Chris, it's kind of wait and see from here.
2: Yeah, we're just kind of sitting around, seeing what's going to happen. I feel like it's trending more towards positive, just because... USC was able to get back to the practice field today. But, again, anything could happen in the next 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Well, I will say I'm not sitting around. Sitting around makes it sound like we're being a little lazy. We're definitely t- tracking down info and sources, Mr. Trevino.
2: I can track down sources while sitting down. I don't need to be standing or doing a, uh, sh- uh, one of those ball things where you do on the wall. I can sit here just fine and get, get info.
1: <laughs> okay, that's fair. Touche. Touche. Okay, enough of us. Let's bring in Shotgun so that we can have a full trio and get into Stock Up, Stock Down. Boo. Alrighty, gentlemen, it is time for Stock Up, Stock Down. Shoddy, you're first up. Stock Up, who you got?
0: Defense, defense, defense. I mean, there's there's like 92 things you could list on the defensive side. Uh, I'm going to start with aggressiveness. The defense had its top PFF grades since PFF has been doing grades for college football games starting in 2014 when they started grading every college football game. The defense was spectacular in this game. We saw the aggressiveness. They played at the line of scrimmage. That's something that Todd Orlando said on Wednesday when we talked to him that you know it was fun to watch and see the guys run and hit. You know There was some hesitation earlier uh, in the first couple of games. He said they were aggressive. Even if they were making mistakes, he said he liked to see them Running and hitting, and it was indeed fun to watch to see what this USC defense and these athletes can actually do when they're being aggressive and really attacking.
1: I also had this defense on stock up, but my question for you guys is how much stock do you put in it? No pun intended, given that Utah just didn't seem very polished, it definitely was a, a team that had a delayed start and losing people on their team.
2: Yeah, I think you need to take this performance with a grain of salt. Lake City knew that was coming. Sorry, this is why I can't be on instant. I would have done that joke 100% and looked right into the camera and ruined everything. But yeah, I've been encouraged by this defense. I think you can still look at this defense, uh, this defensive performance, and see it as a huge positive because it's stable growth. I think we've seen growth from the first two games to this one, a big jump. Now you just want to see if this team can keep it going, keep that consistency moving forward. Yes, Utah wasn't very good. They had a lot of problems on offense. They had a new QB come in. But I still think there's a lot of takeaways, a lot of positive takeaways you have to give this defense uh, after you watch the tape.
0: Yeah, I I think you have to put it in context and say, hey, Utah was out a guy like Britton Covey. You know, you didn't see him out there as one of their uh, top weapons on the outside. But they returned their starting offensive line. You know, this was supposed to be a, a strength of them on the offensive side. So I think this is what you expect. You know when USC has a team that's down or a team that's inferior whether it be because a couple players are missing or just because the talent level's not the same you go out and dominate them and that's what you saw from this defense it was a dominant performance of them five turnovers in the game you get two more turnover on down so they took the ball away seven times there's probably three more that they left out there. I mean, Elijah Griffin had interception potential, Talanoa Hufanga, Raylan Goforth. I mean, this team could have put up, you know, a record number of turnovers in this game. So there, there's still some room for growth in us. So, but you got to be excited about where the, the steps they've taken the first few weeks. You know, I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, I'm really positive and optimistic about this group going forward just because of the way that they've made those strides like Chris talked about. And because we expected there to be a little bit of growing pains in the first, you know, first couple of games uh, you know with a new defense and it seems like things are finally turning and moving in the right direction for him.
1: And that sense I had stuck up in faith in Todd Orlando just because he had told us each week, he identified key areas and said this is what's wrong, this is what needs to happen And I feel like we've actually seen the kind of the turn of the corner of things he said like he noted how against ASU the team just felt a little tight and hesitant. And they were thinking too much. And he said that after the Arizona game, they were doing that better. And then talking to him on Wednesday, he really thought the team played aggressive and attacked against Utah. And so that's something that he identified they fixed. I think we saw the linebackers take a step forward against Utah. So he's at least... It seems like he knows where the issues are. He's candid about them. He's realistic about it. And we're seeing improvements and we're seeing halftime adjustments. So those things for me, I think, is stock up for USC fans to have. Just, just have a little faith in Todd Orlando. It seems like it's it's working. And there are some, there's obviously going to be issues when you can't install over spring. You haven't really practiced and you're you're turning around the season pretty quickly here.
2: I think that's a great stock up. I also kind of have that uh, category just... I had it more so as Todd Orlando's confidence in himself and his system because we heard, like you said, every week it was more so, oh, we're going to get it right. Trust me, we're going to get it right. And that's like a breath of fresh air for us to see actual those changes uh, happen from week to week. Like, oh, we got to fix this. Oh, it's getting fixed. So, yeah, just, just, just the confidence he has in his system. He knows what he's, he's doing. He knows what this defense should look like. He knows what to fix. That, that's something that – and now we just want to see it continue throughout the season as they as they move forward.
0: Yeah, that was one thing during the Steve Sarkeesian, the short era of Steve Sarkeesian at USC, is when he identified an issue and said, hey, we're going to work on this this week, the next week, when they came out, it was something that was fixed, and it was a strength for the team. Um, and that's what you're seeing from Todd Orlando. He's identifying, addressing, and correcting. And it starts with the linebackers. So I've got the linebackers on stock up, and I'm going to go with Kanai Malga. You know, he's a guy who only played a couple snaps in the first game. Hamstring, is it still bothering him? Second game, he just looked slow out there. You know, he wasn't getting to the edge quick enough. This game, he was attacking downhill. The first two plays of the game, a big pop in the hole on the first play. Doesn't get outside and over pursue um, uh, some some window dressing that Utah tried to throw at him. He's right there in the hole to make a pop. Second play, nice shuffle, shuffle steps, getting to the outside, attacks the blocker. He actually snaps back the the neck of the offensive lineman trying to pull around to get a block, and then it comes off of that guy and, and makes the uh, helps out on the tackle there too. So those two plays set the tone for USC, and I thought he was terrific throughout the game. Eleven tackles in this, one behind Raylen Go forth. Those two guys combined 23 tackles outstanding performance from the linebackers overall but i thought kanai malga really took a step forward and you know he he could be the only guy that's healthy going into the
2: next game we'll see yeah heck of a game by kanai um it kind of backs up what we saw in that arizona game when this guy is on this guy can be a playmaker and a star um and i think we should feel vindicated that we had him in the most uh the, the most important for our top 30 there uh it didn't start off well just because of the hamstring and he had to, to, to work his way back. But, yeah, he looked great bouncing back from that Arizona, Arizona game. Um, yeah, it reminds me kind of when I saw him at the NorCal Nike thing. Uh, that was the first time I saw him. Just super energetic, super violent, super just going hard every play. That's the kind of Kanai we all know when we saw him in high school. And it's nice to see that come out at the college level. And when he's playing like that, he's, he's a tough dude to stop. And he brings energy,
0: just constant energy. When he gets that first big hit in the hole, you know, he's screaming, he's pumped. And that pumps up everybody on the sideline. And that's what we're still waiting to see from Pali and Itiote. That's something that I'm anxious to see when he's able to make that first play like that and get everybody pumped up. Because I think that's only going to build his confidence a little bit more. I think he's just missing one of those big plays like that to get him going as well once he comes back from the concussion.
1: I know you already had defense on stock up and i agreed and had that on there but i feel like i have to give a special stock up shout out to mr chris trevino's boy nick figueroa i think he's just been uh doing really well and exceeding expectations for what we had of him uh, so far this season chris you're you're dabbing over there if you want to like jump in here you can because this is technically your stock you've invested in this from day one
2: i was a day one investor it's climbing up Um, Yeah, just I think Shotgun could speak more to it just because he's watching all the tape and seeing the little things he's doing, but he's getting in the backfield. He seems like he comes up with a huge run stop every week. Um, Had the big one in the Arizona State win, had another one in the the Arizona game. Guy just makes plays when not, not as flashy as, you know, like the Drake Jackson or the Marlon Tui Pelotu, but he's there he's consistent. I know he got dinged up a little bit in the in the PFF grades, had one of his worst grades. I don't necessarily agree with how low it was cuz I still think he had a lot of impact. Um, could even could have been a bigger day for him if he had finished off some more of those plays in the backfield. Um but yeah, buy that stock. It's getting higher. You're not going to you're not going to be able to get it cheap cheap anywhere.
0: I think his stock probably stayed unchanged this game. Um, he took advantage Unchanged. Uh, what yeah. would that
1: be? What would that be, Shotgun.
0: It would be stock that's unchanged. Stock neutral. It didn't go up or stock, down. Stock no. neutral. There's a. No, it didn't change. Here it on this podcast, change. we it have. It did not change. A designation. Unchanged, unchanged.
2: Ladies anyway, and gentlemen, this is history.
0: Anyway, no, there's been other stocks that have remained unchanged as well. His stock remained unchanged in this one to me because he took advantage of what Utah gave him. There were times when they had a lineman go the wrong way and he shot through. And there's times when they were trying to pull the lineman, and he shot through. He didn't really make the spectacular throwing a guy out of the way type of play this week, which he's done in the past. Uh, there were a couple nice plays by him, but those the, the, his nicest plays were the ones where he missed the tackle in the backfield, you know, shaking free of an uh, offensive lineman. But his biggest plays in this game were plays where he just took advantage of what Utah gave. So I'm going to say stock ch- unchanged there. Uh, Cause he, we had him obviously in stock up the first two weeks, But in that same vein, and since you mentioned it, I also had the Drake Marlin combo. You know, you talked about how both of those guys they get a lot of of uh, of love and and um, a pub um, about how well they played. But when you have an inside guy and you have an outside guy and they're playing at a high level at the same time, I think that's why things are becoming so easily to a guy like Nick Figueroa and Caleb Tremblay when he comes back. I mean, Brandon Peely comes in and had a pretty good PFF grade and and made some impact in the pass rush in this game. And I think it all starts with Drake and Marlon and how they're being able to play off each other. You can't really double team both an inside guy and an outside guy. you got to pick your poison. And because of that, I think it's making things a lot easier on the rest of the defense line and the guys that are blitzing as well because teams are so focused on oh man that Marlon Tuipiloto in the middle he's destroying people oh that Drake Jackson coming off the edge we can't leave him man on man against an offense tackle because we've seen what he can do there too so I think that combo of those two guys is working really well together and both of them playing at a high level
1: I guess I just wanted to give a special shout out because you go for the flashy Marlon Tuipiloto the Drake Jackson I know he's not at that level but he's at least a good support character in the story if you will
0: I mean, he had seven pressures against Arizona, you know, last week. So, you know, it's not like he's not playing and playing well. Um, I just think that it's all stemming from that combination of those two guys inside and outside. And you saw both of them had beast plays in this one. I mean, Marlon just throwing a guy out of the way and then going and getting the sack fumble, injuring Cameron Rising uh, on the play. He's going to be out for the season, unfortunately, there as he was diving for the football, it looked like where he injured his shoulder. Uh, Drake Jackson. You know, he he was in the backfield. He caused one of the interceptions with his pass rush, just complete dip and rip uh, on one. So they're playing really well. And I think that that's uh, elevating everyone around them. And I think that's the key. You know, everyone is playing with more confidence because those two guys
2: are really making an impact.
1: That's a fair point. Fair point there. Chris Trevino, who do you have on stock up?
2: A lot of Marlin talk. So it's a perfect segue for one of my stock ups. And that's Thule. The little brother, Tui Pelotu, got career-high snaps against Arizona with Caleb Trembley out. Took advantage of those. And then this week, you know, Caleb Trembley suited up but didn't play so. A lot more reps uh, reps for him in this game. Came up with his first career sack. Unfortunately, we were not able to see it since the broadcast just kaputted on us. But good confidence there. I predicted these guys would... Uh, combined for at least six sacks this season. We're at three right now. We're chugging along there. Um, yeah, and people say, you know, this guy's basically kind of like a clone of him. He, they, they have the same body type. It's hard to tell them the difference when they're on the practice field together. That's how how similar they look. And that's just great news for, for USC fans to have a little Marlon coming up to eventually, you know, probably take the place of Marlon when he moves on, uh, considering his draft stock is just zooming up. Uh, but that's a guy you want to mentoring uh, from his older brother.
1: I'm sure Thule appreciates you calling him a little Marlin. I feel like he gets his own like separation, maybe.
2: No, he's, he's
0: got to earn that. Marlin's <laughs> playing way too well. You know, okay. Getting little Marlin is, is, is a better compliment than being your own Thule right now.
1: Wow, that's spicy.
0: He'll be little little Marlin and then he'll be big Thule. That's the yeah, evolution. If he, if he plays well enough, yeah.
1: Okay, sure.
0: Oh, he's Thule's brother. Oh, yeah, that, that's Thule's brother over there. That's when you know you're playing really well.
1: We've all taken two rounds around the stock up horn, if you will. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the eye rolls. We're going into rapid fire stock up mode. Chris, shotgun, I know you both have some more to sprinkle on to the stock up Sunday. Who you got, Chris.
2: I don't know if this is like rookie hazing. I don't like how you, you threw it to me first two weeks in a row, and then you don't give it to me for two rounds, and then make me go back to back. I really don't like this. <laughs> we need some some uh, systems in place. Anyway, I have just a quick one. Brew McCoy, uh, yeah. first time he led the team in uh, led the wide receiver team in catches and yards. Uh, saw a career high targets. Led the team with eight. Definitely looks like Keaton is looking to him, kind of like he looked to Drake. Uh, late last season the guy to come up with big plays he's made some big crunch time catches converting some big long downs um his stock is only going up um i think it's a matter i don't think that'll be the first time we'll see him lead this unit uh in yards and catches
0: he, he gets his first career start in this game as well taking the place of tyler Vaughn's. uh that was kind of an interesting one he played more snaps than tyler vons so he's uh uh, consuming some of those snaps from Tyler Vaughn, so that's you don't expect that that a freshman is going to take over uh, for a redshirt senior, but that's that's the case right now. We'll see how that balances out in the games moving forward. But I thought that one was an interesting one. I thought a guy who made an impact, even though he was only in there for a handful of plays, was Keenan Christen. I mean, he has the big the big run on the draw. We see what the speed can do, and you go, oh you got to find a way you got to find a way to get that on the field and and get him out in some open field and get him that opportunity because of, you know, how fast he's just turning up yards once he gets outside uh, of the defense. So we'll see if they find ways to try to add him into the mix going forward. Um, They didn't use him a lot, even though they were basically only used two running backs. He only played eight or nine snaps, uh, which was kind of strange to me with how much they use vibe, but you know, when he was in there, he made an impact both pass blocking, which set up that halfback draw as well.
2: Yeah, I also had him on my stock up. Good one on you, uh, shotgun. You know, we pe- we people have wanted to see more of him get the touches. Legitimately, might be the fastest guy in the Pac-12. You got to find find ways to get the the ball in his hands.
1: Just to circle back really quickly to something you said, shotgun. I thought it was kind of weird. Clay Heldon's explanation on Sunday night when you asked specifically about Brew McCoy getting more touches than Tyler Vons, and he said Tyler Vons didn't practice early, earlier in the week, and he said it wasn't Vaughn's fault. I know it is finals week, so maybe it's a academic thing, but Heldon didn't say it. I guess, what's your evaluation of what's going on there, and do you think Brew McCoy will eventually overtake Tyler Vons?
0: I mean, why, if it, if it wasn't... The way he kind of worded it made it sound like, oh, well, it was just kind of out of Tyler Vaughn's hands, whether he had a meeting or whatever, you know, he had academic stuff he had to deal with. If it wasn't Tyler Vaughn's his issue, then why wouldn't you have a fifth-year senior be able to stay in? So it tells me either that he was getting punished for something or Brew McCoy is just taking over their snaps. And either way you look at it, it's not a positive for Tyler Vaughn's.
1: Yeah, I would agree. As far as a rapid stock up, I had uh, Parker Lewis. He was 4-for-4 four four on field goals and set his career high three times in that game. Plus, a pretty intense flex at the end. I know some <laughs> people were like, hey, act like you've been there before, Parker. He hasn't first time to rice Eccles, so uh, he uh, maybe he's allowed to flex? Not sure. You can do whatever you want if you're uh, – continuing the scoring for your team in the second half, which USC's offense couldn't do. So he I think he's allowed to flex on that one.
2: Chris, how did you feel about the flex? Flex all day, baby. Flex on these haters. <laughs> <laughs> Former kicker here, baby. Flex on them. You don't get a lot of chance to do that. He's got I some mean, guns, though. He's got some guns. I think he's got some... He's a little yoked, if you know what I mean. <laughs>
0: He did have a hit on a kickoff against Arizona as well, which you kind of don't ever want your your kickoff specialist to be going down and making tackles. But, you know, if they're very active, then let them go for it, I guess. Um, The interesting thing was, I think that was, what, a 47-yarder? It was good from 60 probably. This was way up the uprights, was not on a downward trajectory. You know, he boomed this one. I think he really likes the altitude playing at, at Utah.
1: So I would just like to say, Chris Javino is my witness. We were talking about this podcast earlier today, and we were talking about AVT, and Shotgun said AVT stock hadn't changed. And so, of course, even without the podcast being recorded, I rep Stock Neutral Nation, and I said, oh, so Stock Neutral. And Shotgun said yes. He said yes. He admitted it. Everyone mark the day. Today's an important day. Chris Javino is my witness. Thank you. Never happened.
2: It Never happened. happened. Chris Javino. I'm in a very interesting place right now. He, Never he, didn't, he, okay, okay. Here's the thing. He did not confirm it was stock neutral. He said it was uh, stock unchanging. But in my eyes, he confirmed stock neutral as a thing. This was, this was entrapment.
0: I asked if if there was a police officer around, <laughs> and you guys denied that there was. This is entrapment. You're trying to you know lock me in on this. It's not what happened. His stock hasn't changed. That was my point. My point is that his stock is way up and it's not coming down right now.
1: All I have to say is that I said, so like stock neutral, and he said the word yes. So much so that Chris immediately came to my defense as a witness because I knew you were going to deny it. That's how juicy it was, Shaka. What are
0: you talking about? My roommate was in the room. I was answering a question.
1: (laughs) That you guys could so hear false. it
2: away. Yeah. No, so, that's definitely what happened.
1: No, nope. you can tell in his There's voice. There's no such thing. He's lying. He's lying. I felt, like, <laughs> I
2: felt like the sketchy guy recording the entrapment going on. I had to do it. I had to get out of, a uh, heard it on the sideline. I just had to do it. I had to get out. That was the deal. So I, I got paid off to do this.
1: No, nope, but you can confirm he said yeah. it. That was so the deal. Got, yeah, yeah, I can confirm it. Was a said paid
2: it. source, a paid snitch in the jail. Wow. I I ain't no
1: jailhouse snitch. Look how snitch. far she'll go. I know jail
2: jailhouse snitch. Look
1: how take far that should go, folks. That's no, are you kidding me? You said it. That's all I gotta say. All righty. Well, for the sake of this podcast, I'm gonna move it on. Stock down, Chris Trevino, who you got?
2: Yeah, this kind of plays into how we ended our stock up with Parker Lewis. I have, you know, Chase McGrath just because there was a point last week where it looked like, you know, a little bit shaky with Lewis, you know, missed that 30 yard field goal, had the big kick out of bounds. Not that Chase does uh, kickoffs, but still a little bit stock down right there for Parker Lewis. But he comes back with this big performance with the veteran on his on his back, breathing down his neck right there, ready for him to, to mess up and maybe get the call. But man, what a performance by Parker. And just kind of he separates himself a little bit more uh, distance there between the two and keeping his job.
1: Yeah, I would tack onto the stock down in the sense that I think there was some thought that maybe – mcgrath and his injury pushed parker lewis up a little bit more besides parker lewis's talent and so the fact that it seems like mcgrath is healthy now and parker lewis was able to kind of come back from the shakiness we saw against arizona i think this just puts the job farther away from mcgrath now what we've seen three games in you know
0: It's very interesting. You got three scholarship kickers and you're going with a true freshman as the one that's kicking. So you got two guys that are just sitting in the wind right now. You know,
2: they say if you have three scholarship kickers, you have no kickers.
0: I don't think that's what they say, Chris. I think they say if you have three scholarship kickers, you have no linebackers.
1: Ooh, spicy. Also transition down to linebacker health. Stock down. Shaka, I know you have the numbers. Both inside and outside linebackers are just taking hits after hits and not the ones you want from your linebackers. injury-wise, they're taking hits.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Not not the hits you want them to be making. Instead, they're taking the hits uh, to their health. Right now, USC has three scholarship inside linebackers that are healthy and two scholarship outside linebackers that are healthy. That's not ideal for four spots on the defense. Um, you know, USC, has had multiple players out for the season with knee injuries coming in. Uh, when we were opening fall camp, we were informed of those. You had Elijah Winston get hurt in the summer. You had, you know, you had Juliana Falonico get hurt in the camp. You've had guys get hurt during the season. You got question marks about where Raylan Goforth and Palia and Itiote are at going forward. You know, it's just been a mass unit for them, and yet they had their best game this past week, which makes it very interesting to see where they go. Raymond Scott you know, got moved down from safety. He played really well so in, in his limited action. So we're, we're seeing that that unit is continuing to produce, and it's the true next-man-up mentality there, even though there are very few bodies remaining.
1: Just to tack on to that, maybe stock down for linebacker continuity and also potential stock down for EA in the sense that it would be a really interesting predicament if somehow Raylan is healthy, USC plays Colorado on Saturday, Raylan and Canai look good again. What do you do with EA when he comes back after a concussion protocol? Do you try and honor him and his status, veteran status, quote-unquote, or do you just go with what looks better? And I feel like at this point, you have to argue that EA's had a lot of opportunities to prove himself, right?
2: This was also one of my stock downs. I specifically had exactly what you're talking about. I had EA because what you, the situation you just said, what if we get another great performance by Raylan, assuming he's healthy, and Kanai in there, and it's working really well. Do so you put the guys just coming back off injury and has really underperformed uh, in the first two games of the season after you know we had all that stock built up uh, by Orlando and Clay Helton doubling down on all that? I don't know. I think it goes back to what this defense, this defensive uh, staff has been preaching. Like, the best players are going to play. If you're performing in practice, you're going to be on the field for us. Um, I feel like in this situation, they would maybe bring him on slowly. I think they would keep rolling with Raylan and Kanai at that point. Bring on EA slowly, and if he starts getting the confidence like these other two guys have in this defense, I think we'll see him get back his starting spot. But I would roll with the hot hand. I would ho- roll what's getting you those those this impressive defensive uh, performances.
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest issue for Pali and Atiyoto right now is him playing with confidence and him being aggressive. And I think if you see two other guys step up in front of you and you're like, "Oh no, am I going to lose my spot?" That's only going to hurt your confidence more. So I think the, the hardest thing for him will be playing with confidence. And that's the thing the coaching staff has to keep, continue to, you know, massage him into it and say, hey, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. We know what you, you're capable of. You, you, when you get out there, you just got to gotta attack. You got to go after it. Because I think he's just been hesitant. And I think once he gets an opportunity and attacks and shows, you know, that downhill um, speed that he has – then I think then he will make some big plays as well. I think it also played really well into uh railing go forth and Kanaya Malga that they were playing Utah and Utah wants to be a power run team. They want to run it in between the tackles compared to Arizona, Arizona state. We're trying to get outside a little bit more. So I, I think that he just needs the right opportunity and he needs to, you know, they need to continue to build his confidence up. So if that means bringing him back slowly. Once he's healthy, then you do that. You, you sub him in, you have specific situations where you put him and as he gains his Confidence. I think you can start giving him back more workload, but it is a an interesting uh, dilemma for the USC coaches because this is the guy you you think has that talent to be an All American style player, but he hasn't shown it yet, and he he doesn't. You know, he's out right now and he's watching other guys perform in front of him. And confidence is one of the big issues, and that's not going to help that confidence.
1: And that's the weird thing too, Chris, because you mentioned how if you don't perform in practice you're not going to see it on game days, or at least that's what the defensive staff has said. But one, we can't see practice, so we can't really say. But like, what if EA is actually practicing well and it's just not transferring into games? And like, that's kind of the read and react and like game speed type of thing that I think we've seen him kind of struggle with. So like, maybe that's why you get into a situation where you have so much hype about about EA and then you come into the game and it just doesn't translate. So it's like, do you then take away reps from him if he does look good in practice? It's a weird predicament in that sense.
2: Yeah, it's like me on this podcast. I can have great performances on this podcast. You throw me on Tunnel Vision, it's a, <laughs> it's a wreck.
0: <laughs> he gets under the lights and all of a sudden things are, are not going as smoothly. Um, I think it's something where, you, again, you build the confidence in practice and then give him situations where he can excel in the game. You, know, you don't have to put him out there and say, hey, you're going to start. You're going to play 80 snaps. All right, we got this specific package. We designed this for you. You know, build up the confidence in different ways. It, it isn't just, you know, when they make a good play and say, "Really good job, you did great." Build it up in different ways and say, "Man, I, I got a, this great idea that I think will work just for you." Um, you know, you're the guy that has to make this play. You're the one. You know, whatever it, it takes to build him up. And and talking about practice and how you need to be in practice to show the coaches what you can do. I've got stock down a marquee Step. You know, another injury for him, and a different injury once again. You know, he showed, he looked really good in the Arizona game, tied his career high. You go, okay. You know, look, Marquis Step's taking that ne- next step uh, in his progression, and he's going to potentially be, you know, one of the key g- guys in the backfield for USC. And suddenly, he's not in the game anymore. Um, you know, he's not dressed out pec injury he's not able to play so you've got to really be concerned about the injury history there obviously he's a big bruising style of of running back and that injuries can come with that but the variety of injuries he's suffered is what gives you pause and and puts him on my stock down list
1: yeah because if you're keeping score at home this is now the third injury he's had in since training camp began he retweaked his ankle on the first day of training camp and then while rehabbing the ankle tweak he had a foot sprain, and then now he has a, a pec strain. It's just a lot of injuries, and so, like Shotgun said, you have to be concerned. In the same vein, I had stocked down on Stephen Carr just because it was a little confusing because, and you were very aware of this on Twitter, and you kind of kept putting it out there, but the way the, – the fact that he was out for the entire first quarter – and then he got the first touch of the second quarter suggests that it was maybe a discipline issue, like he was being disciplined. And then when he is in there, he takes a knee to the back of the helmet. Like, what is this injury? And Clayhudson didn't help the confusion about the injury after the game. But I just had stock down in the sense that it was just weird. <laughs> a, it, it was just weird. So stock down on that.
0: Yeah. It. it- Anytime that you sit out the first quarter and then you're a starter and you're immediately back in when the second quarter begins, you go, "Huh, I wonder if there's something else there." Um, which is what I was kind of throwing out there, just saying that you know a lot of times this could be just uh, you know you missed a meeting or something, and coach say, "All right, you're out for the first quarter." Well, he comes back in the second quarter, two plays it was a negative run, and the next play was a disaster from USC's offense. You know, getting a sack, fumble, that's scooped and scored by Utah. And while he's trying to block on this, he goes down to try to block the guy and takes a knee in the middle of the back, up up near the top. So, I uh, you know he did get injured on that play, and they decided not to keep him out. Clay Helton did not describe it well, which maybe he was purposely you know being a little vague there to uh, to not say anything about why he didn't play in the first quarter. Don't know, uh, but it w- it was definitely strange. Um, but you know those two running backs gave a vibe an opportunity to step up. And he did that, you know, his numbers aren't great in this game, but you could put him on stock up as well because he carried the load for USC without those two guys in uh, another guy that had looked like he was mo- making strides forward. And then suddenly he's not getting that playing time anymore was Jude Wolf. You know, he's a guy that had taken over the majority of the snaps at tight in He played, I think, four snaps on offense in this game. And the last one was a throw that was a little bit behind him. He got twisted up a little bit. Looked like maybe he was injured. Kind of asked Clay Helton about that this week. And he didn't really, again, was vague about it. Uh, Said that he had the ankle sprain last week. Well, he stayed in on special teams. So he's not hurt enough that he's not playing at all. But apparently he's he's too hurt to play. And Eric Kroemenhook has stepped forward and had back to back touchdowns. So Jude Wolf had an opportunity to step forward and take over that tight end role, maybe in those first couple of games. And because he hasn't played great and because he's, you know, tweaked that ankle, you know, now he's, you know, fallen back a little bit. And Eric Kromanhook's taking that step forward.
2: And like Clay Helton said, Josh Filo coming back to the team rejoining the team after the birth of his baby girl so you know maybe josh has an opportunity to kind of break into this rotation assuming he's back up to to speed with the offense and in game shape maybe he can start siphoning off some more reps We'll see. I mean, that one
0: again, you know, when did he come back to the team? He was on the sideline for them when they went to Utah. So, you know, how long has he been back with the team? How long was he gone? These are all things we don't know because we don't get to see practice, unfortunately. Uh, But until Josh Follow gets out there and does something, he's another guy that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, put too much credence into the potential of him coming back and making a big impact because we just haven't seen it he's been on the roster for multiple years now and you haven't seen it so it's just one of those uh believe it when i see it type of things
1: chris i believe it is your turn for stock down who else you got
2: yeah i just have the the right side of the offensive line i think it's clear that we know where the strength of the offensive line is. It's with big ABT. And then the coaches invested on that left side to protect Keaton's blind side with moving their most experienced line and Andrew lineman and Andrew Voorhees there to left guard to solidify that wall. And just, it just seems like there's a bunch of issues on that right side with Jalen McKenzie. And then uh, Liam Jimmins playing guard for the, his first year in a full-time starter role. It just looks like sometimes he gets confused he, he doesn't know who to block. Uh, defenses can kind of come at him a little bit. And it seems like last year, the, the right side was an issue with Drew Richman and Jalen McKenzie in, at, with the right guard. And, you know, it was the right side that got that beat up on that sack fumble that gave up the scoop and score for Utah. So it, it just continues continuously every game. It just seems like either someone's getting by Liam or there's a penalty on Jalen. He had a, another false start uh, this week. So I'm just uh, down on that side in general. Um, Yeah, that's where I stand. Jalen was also, uh, he got a
0: a legal man downfield penalty. And just watching the replay, I have no clue what was going on in the play. Because a lot of times when those penalties happen, there's a run uh, run pass option. And on this one, there was no run option, truly, on the play. They faked the run, and they were rolling out, and he just decided to get downfield. So it looked kind of strange rewatching that one on the broadcast. But I, I agree with Liam Jimmins in particular. Uh, I had very high hopes for him this season. and He just hasn't played up to um, the expectation that I had for him. So he, he could have been, been on my stock down as well this week.
1: My final stock down is just COVID-19 and USC football. I know USC was getting anxious leading up to this week just because they were doing so well. It was one of those things where it's like, this is going too well. They they were a little anxious about that, and then they had a positive on Monday. And so the fact that we now have to talk about COVID, the, the fact that we now have to say, oh, what will happen, what will happen, is just, uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that a player uh, tested positive. Obviously, we wish him the best and a healthy, speedy recovery, um, but... You know, USC was batting a thousand and now they're not. And so the fact that reality, I guess, had to sink in this week about how, hey, this is actually college football in a pandemic stock down for that.
0: Yeah, we've been fortunate that, you know, through the seven weeks starting with camp that. And a lot of other teams around the nation have been dealing with outbreaks and have been dealing with cancellations and all that stuff. And we've been fortunate just to talk about the football on the field and talk about Clay Helton and offense and defense. And, you know, reality kind of hits home this week, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend and we're thankful that we didn't have to talk about this before. And unfortunately it hits this week, but uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate that that's what we're, you know, that's a discussion point And that's what we've talked about in this podcast is unfortunately, you know, where the state of the program is at. Um, so unfortunate there, Chris, you got anybody left on stock down or any other stock downs? I got a couple quick fire ones.
2: If you don't, I'm just going to let you do your thing. I'm gonna let you play ISO, do your thing. You know, we'll just stand back. If you need like a, a long rebound or whatever, or you want to kick it out. We're here, but you do your thing, man. I'll let you guys see if you need to
0: rebound this. I'm, I'm going to put it up. You know, I'm going to Nick Young this and turn around before it even hits the rim. But uh, a couple of other stock downs that I got is one. I know this one. You guys aren't getting a rebound on this. This is straight butter. Is ESPN's cameras going down and just being out for a portion of the game? I mean, we, we lost 10 snaps in the game. Fortunately, I guess that you know they're back-to-back three and outs for the USC and Utah offenses. I guess that's fortunate. There weren't any big plays, uh, but come on, how are you? How are your cameras going to go out, especially when your your play-by-play and analysts aren't in stadium, so they have no way of describing it, describing the game. They're just kind of going off the the stat broadcast, just like we were. So that one was definitely on my stock down. Uh, I put stock down for hesitation on the defensive side. We talked about that and stock up, up a little bit more, but uh, good, good stock down there for USC that there wasn't the hesitation and stock down for Keaton Slovis confidence. You know, just watching him, it feels like he doesn't have the same confidence to make certain throws. Um, you know, whether it's the arm, whether it's mechanics, whether it's the balls, whatever it is, it just doesn't seem like he's playing with that same uh, gunslinger attitude that he was playing with last
2: year. Just on the camera note, yeah, it was very pointing Spider-Man meme with us as viewers watching and the broadcast team, like, both of us have no idea what's going on.
1: (laughs) Also, the one time that none of us are there, the one game I haven't seen in person in four years, and the cameras go out, man, it could have been my time to shine, I could have been Tweeter McGee, things would have been great, and no, I was stuck at home on the couch.
0: Yeah, I don't know when the last game that uscfootball.com did not attend, uh, but obviously because of Salt Lake City and the Utah area being a hotspot, we made the decision not to travel as a team, and uh, unfortunately, this is the time when the cameras go down for ESPN. But congratulations to Tuli Tupulotu on his first career sack that no one saw.
2: I wish they had PFF grades for us as reporters.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) I would hate that. Which-
2: I'd be in that that low 60s every time baby just 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 that light green baby just give me light green <laughs> For those of you who don't know the grading starts at 60
0: and then you go up or down from there so Chris is saying he's slightly above
2: slightly above average right there that's my niche that's my <laughs> niche
1: That would be so funny like after game day uh, uscfootball.com grades <laughs> which a rank us all. See, and that's why, obviously, I think I can speak for all of us because I know you guys. That's why we try to keep the human element in reporting on college football players. They're still humans, and it's hard to be graded and judged and kind of treated like a subject matter versus people. And if you heard me, I just said I would hate to be graded. So that's why we always try and keep the human element and not take, like, personal attacks or get too, like, mean about things. Because at the end of the day, these are humans recovering, and we still want to be respectful and mindful of that. I just took it... I took it really seriously, and I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> wait well, yeah, wait a wait a trample my joke.
1: Wait a wait
2: a PSA wait a PSA my joke.
1: Alrighty, Chris, we're bringing it back you and me to end the pod. Any final thoughts before we wrap this episode up? I know it's kind of Frankenstein. We had the top where you and I had to try and get through explaining what's happened this week. We go into stock go up, stock down. Any final thoughts before we wrap this episode up?
2: My final thoughts are, you know. I hope the players that have COVID recover. Uh, I hope that we do get to see a game this Saturday. It'd be a pretty big one. Two of the top teams in the Pac-12 South, Colorado and USC, should be a good one with this frisky Buffalo team. Um, and pumpkin pie over pecan all day, every day, and Cool Whip all day, every day. Ready Whip is trash. That's all I. That's all I can say. That's all I can wow,
1: say. you had dropped some some hot takes. Let me let me run through them, run them back real quick. One. What makes a football team frisky? Because this is now the second week in a row you've described a team as frisky. Two, Cool Whip is way too dense. Three,
2: you must it? be a pecan pie lover.
1: No, 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 no. Oh no, I no pumpkin all day. That I'm I'm there with you on that one. So uh,
2: I don't know. Fr- frisky is just my buzzword for this season, I guess. Uh, you know they're two and zero. People were expecting them to not to be very good, considering everything they had to go through. New coaches, new coordinators, limited offseason. They weren't expected to be 2-0 at this point. I don't think anyone had them at 2-0 at this point, except for maybe the players themselves. And then, no, Cool Whip is the perfect amount of density. Trust me, it's going to hold up. It's not going to flab all down. It's going to hold its integrity so you have that nice wall structure against the pumpkin pie. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this for like 15 years. Trust me. Send me, send me pics on Twitter at Chris and Trevino of your pumpkin pie quip, uh, masterpieces. I want to see it. There Remember the go. whole thing, the whole thing, not the crush, just every, all the pumpkin, get it in there.
1: Wow. That's it. Chris's pumpkin tips to, to end the show. Thanks, Chris. Culinary tips from Chris.
2: Sorry, I had to get a visual bit. in. I had to get a visual bit. In.
1: And you ended it with a visual bit. Well done, Chris. Alrighty. That's going to wrap it up. A, a Frankenstein episode. Thank you guys for putting up with our, uh, chopped and screwed episode (laughs) that's horrible i like
2: that i like that do you like that reference i like that okay well i'll keep it that's great
1: that's gonna wrap it up that's Chris. i'm keely shotguns at basketball we'll see you next week